Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Oh my goodness. Already? We've got to start over again already. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good morning. All right. Good to have you. Good to see you. Uh, hey, thanks to the ladies, uh, because this was their idea, and then they ran with it, and a you know, bunch of different leaders beyond just Velma and Nelda, and then the idea to donate to the, these women and children in Mexico. What a great, awesome thing. So I was thinking if you're feeling a little bit cold this morning, just grab one and try it out. <laughs> just make sure you pin it back up. So uh, it's neat when people find ways to serve. So uh, thank you, Velma, and make sure the team knows we say that to them as well. Hey, uh, I just want to update you for, for some of you um, I've been paying attention to and more importantly, praying regularly for Annie Mancini. Uh, she had a very successful surgery. Uh, she is recovering, and it looks like she'll be home here pretty quick. She might even be home now. I, uh, but the uh, the surgery had its effects, but they think as soon as the actual surgery effects are gone, that she will get a uh, feeling back in her face. So that is really, really good news, um, which was not necessarily projected. She was she was going to lose motor function in the right side of her face, um, and then uh, we're we're holding out because the hearing in the right ear is a longer process, and so they can't really project it right now. Um, but we know the big guy, don't we? And so we're going to continue to pray for uh, Annie's right ear. Um, and if you would, I would like to pray for that now, and then we'll get into our passage. All right, Lord, thanks for this morning, and thank you for um, what we get to sing. The fact that we even can know you, that you decided to be that type of God who can be known, who reaches out, pursues his people. And then, Lord, uh, for our opportunity to then engage, be part of the plan, be part of your everyday working. And I pray that you would help us to do that with things like this uh, quilting club, uh, trips like Mexico, things that we do in sponsoring other people like 360 Serve, and then, Lord, in the way that we take care of our own, like Annie. And I, I thank you so much uh, that we could witness what you've done in healing her. And thank you for the surgeons and the, and the hospital and, and all of those that uh, worked with her. But, Lord, thank you most for you. And we just ask that as we push forward. You'll continue to work on her. And we put her at your feet and say, give her her ear back. And uh, we'll trust you for this, Lord. And then this morning, as we get into your word, I pray you guide us, uh, push us in the direction that you want us to go, block us from things you want us to avoid. And uh, may the time honor you and your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Hosea chapter six. Here we go. Uh, there's, um, there's a challenge here as we're getting into the depths of Hosea as it's all poetry and it's kind of similar stuff, chapter after chapter. This is a, a fairly quick one, some would think, 11 verses, um, but the more I looked at it all week, I thought, gosh, I'm not sure we can make it through all 11. A lot there. Um, so we're going we're gonna to hit some rabbit trails. We're going to have a, I think, I'm going to have some fun. Hopefully you guys are along for the ride. So we'll see. Um, uh, but there's, there's a theme I want us to hit before we jump in. And so if you get your outlines out, you can look at the top. It says Hosea chapter 6. Um, and, and the title there is Knowing God or Future. And this is the little internal conflict, the human disconnect that we chase, fear, long for. I want to know the future. And most of you, if I asked you, hey, what do you want? What are you thinking about? What are you worried about? Where are you, where are you pursuing? You'd give me specific answers with details. And as we broke it down, we would probably come to the conclusion that one of the big pieces of what you want is future related. 
by this time next year, or I want to get this type of job, I want to resolve a relationship, I want to solve an issue in my body. Those are things like, I want to get to a place projected out into future. And our tendency and danger is that future projection of where we're trying to go sometimes gets us in trouble. How's it get you in trouble? Here's a hint. It's in the title. Hey, Rock Bible Church, listen at home. I'm, I'm so happy that we could show you the um, quilts and let you see those things because you got to participate. Um, the ones here, they kind of take it for granted because they can just look around and they see them, whatever. But we got to give you like a little shot of those. They apparently don't want to participate in the interactive portion of the morning either. So I hope at home you answered out loud, oh, the reason that future projections and the pursuit of them get us in trouble is because then we're distracted from knowing God. We want to know the future so much that knowing God becomes, uh, well, Scott will do that for me on Sunday. Whoops. Take the knife out of your back, right? Um, I trust, I hope, I lead a church in the goal of you having relationship with God myriads beyond me. And what I can do to help you, amen. What I can teach you on Sunday morning, amen. Know that that's the bottom shelf. That is the very beginning, right? That's just the rocks, right? We can build all kinds of structure in how you pursue God. And then guess what gets taken care of? Here's a hint. It's in the title. Thank you. All right. We got our first service interaction back. Love it. Okay. So that's kind of one I want uh, planted in the back of our, or front of our minds as we start to push forward because um, you're going to hear it right away and I'm going to try to point to it as we go through it. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to jump to another passage. Whoa. I know we don't do that much, but that's okay. A little Bible surfing today. Um, Oh, we're at fill-ins already? Okay, let's pray. We're done. <laughs> okay, uh, verse 1, chapter 6 of Hosea. Come, let us return to the Lord. This implies that we're away from him. We've, we've got to go back. There was a time where they knew the Lord. Uh, they were close to him. Uh, for he has torn us that he may heal us. Wait, I, sorry, I'm going to look at this from another perspective. He has torn us. Yeah, uh, that's what it looks like when I stand over there when I stand. Uh, he has torn us. Does that really say that? Do we believe that? How do you feel about that? Really? I don't. I, when he tears me, that, it hurts. It hurts when I do that, right? God, why, why are you tearing me? Why would God tear? Uh, does God do bad things? I don't want to answer that one, Scott. Uh, let's say yes, okay, as we define them. It happens to us. We don't like it. It hurts. We say, wah, and then some time passes. Future shows up and becomes present, and it starts to fit into something, and, and the light bulb goes off, or you drop into a spot where you can be effective or healed, and you say, aha, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. Uh, so does God tear people? Yeah, it gets worse than that. Why does he do that? Heal, benefit, uh, purposes, I heard. I, I want to tell you, you guys are getting an A. I mean, you were getting an F minus earlier, and you've jumped all the way, you've, you've gone all the way up the scale. You're in the high 90 percentile right now. Yes, all of those things. And it says right there that he may heal us. Now, do you have a problem with anything in that last phrase? Because I do. You need not have a problem with it, but we're going to talk through, it's going to be a little uh, personal counseling session for me right now. What's my problem in that last phrase, that he may heal us? How'd you know that? What's the problem with may? It's questionable. 
It's conditional. Oh my goodness, that's where I was going and you got there so quick. Thank you. Um, conditional on what then? If May, May doesn't, it doesn't say will, is going to, it says may. That means it might not happen. And I want to know the conditions in which it happens, right? This is the broken down definition of conditional. Repentance. Repentance. Ooh, that sounds like another word that we just read, right? Come let us, what? Return. Return. There's some kind of conditional statement on returning, right? If we return when he has torn us, can we change the May? Remember, um, remember math class and equations? There's, let's do it this way. So for your, there's the left side of the equation and then there's the right side of the equation. And in the middle was two little lines. Remember what those two little lines were? The equal sign. The most powerful thing in math, I think. We can have an argument because variables are super awesome. But I digress. There's an equal sign in a conditional statement. And if we were going to make a, 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 uh, an equation out of this, let, let's have a little fun. You might actually write this down on the side as a note, okay? Torn plus return equals heal. I thought someone was going to say may, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That would be awesome. Equals heal, right? Here's, write that down. Torn plus return equals heal, right? Next equation. Torn minus return equals not may i'm going to so i'm i we're going to be okay on this one this one's going to work out here's how i know we have a math teacher in the room okay watch this we're going to put her in the 2 minute penalty box for silence cuz i think you can figure it out without her all right but Torn, did something happen? So there's a value to that entity. In minus return, is there a value in return if, there's a, there's, if it's a minus, there's no, no value? So what's the, what would be the number for return? Zero. Zero. Ah. Let's change to something then. Instead of minus, torn times zero equals... Zero. Why? Because one of my favorite rules in math is anything times zero equals zero. You remember the time test when you were a kid? 50 questions and you, and it, you got three minutes and see how many of you can get through. You know, two times two, four. Two times one, two. Two times three, six. And then they jump into the threes. Threes times three, oh, nine. I figured out how to beat that test faster. You just go down through the test and find all the zeros. And then you write zero after the equal sign on all of them. Then you go back in the ones that have actual values where you have to calculate something and you're getting more efficient, right? It's a form of lazy that I have embraced, <laughs> right? Um, what's the form of lazy one we want to make sure we never embrace? Is torn going to happen? In both equations, torn happens. If may is part of this, and by the way, may is the equal sign, right? in the equation. If torn's going to happen in both equations, the only change is the return. So what's the uh, lazy we want to make sure we never embrace? Just keep going the direction you're going. No return. No return means you get no return, right? Because no return equals no return. There's a third equation for you. Um, he has struck us down and will bind us up. Wow. Apparently Will's got a big job. Hope he's up to it. Uh, he struck us down. Does he, does he strike us down? You know, he, he tears us. 
He strikes us down. Um, you know, some people are extremely afraid of that. That God does difficult things or painful things or hurtful things or um, confusing things. Or how about this one? Just makes me wait. I hate that one the worst. Hurt me. For, and then I at least got an answer. If I got to wait. Nothing's going on. But the fact that he would tear us and strike us down at the opportunity to give us a different outcome after the equal sign is amazing. And something just changed here. I've, I've told you in past weeks that in Hebrew poetry, they do things in twos. A lot of times they say it one way, then they say the exact same thing in a different way. That's what they've just done here. He's torn you, he struck you, right? But in the second one, he says he may, the first one, he says he may heal us. And the second one says he will bind us up. Bind us up, gather us together, bring home, right? Scattered and no longer scattered. Um, we went from may to will. That's a statement about God, I think. And we can return, yeah, and there's ways to return, absolutely. That's about us. And so there's kind of two different things going on here. There's a statement about us, do we return, right? And then there's a statement about God. Is God conditional? No. One, two, I got three no's. He doesn't change, does he? If I said it that way, you all would have said, does God change? You all would have said, no, no right? We love that about him. That's his goal. That's what he wants. And he will smack you around till he gets your attention and gets you healed. Kind of like my dad. No, dad didn't smack me around. Okay, I don't want to say it that way, but dad would come up behind the back of the head and smack me on the back of the head. Hey, Scotty, what are you doing? Huh? What? Right? God works that way. Absolutely. After two days, verse 2, after two days, he will revive us. Revive. Bring back what? Life. Life. Right? And when we're off, when we're lost, when we're separated, we're not living. On the third day, he will raise us up. This is about as obvious as it gets in a church where we do the gospel and we believe in Jesus Christ. And have you ever heard the third day before? Yes. I don't mean the band, <laughs> right? Um, is, is this a direct reference that's going to be pretty awesome, like several hundred years from now, when we get into the Matthew, Mark, Luke's, and John's? Yeah. Um, does God prove that he can bring back life? Conquer death. Wow, did he do it in three days with Jesus? Yes. Yeah, and can he do it with you? Yes. Yeah, and he can do it with others. Um, there's nothing beyond repair. I was watching a, one of these shows about cars, you know, vegging out. And one of the guys on the show said, uh, there's no car beyond repair. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's theology. That's theology. I'm hearing theology on a car show. Whoa, he works in mysterious ways. Um, he can revive us. He wants to revive us because that is his nature. He will bind us up. And what's that last phrase in verse 2? That we may live before him. Love that, except he brought May back. Can she just leave? I don't like May. Right? She needs to leave. I want Will. No, that wasn't a statement about genders. Okay. And by the way, the official position of Rock Bible Church is that women can quilt and cut fabric as well as men. All right. We're still working on Velma on that one. Okay. Um, verse three, let us know. Which, is, which implies what? If you have to know, if he has to let you know what what are you missing? You don't know. You're missing the no, right? Let us know. Let us press on to know. So let us know would be something he did. Let us press on. Ooh, who's supposed to do the work in knowing? Him or us? Both, folks. 
your, your best guess answer when I give you two options at this church is going to be both, okay? Let us know that's all him. We're not in that clause, that phrase. Let us, oh, are, are we in the us, <laughs> right? Let us press on. So both are involved. God's involved, but he wants us to put on the uniform and get on the field and actually play. I love a God who... Um, has promoted me from spectator. I mean, I like being a fan, but did you ever get bored watching? I remember being a kid and wa watching sports for a little while and then just, I got to go outside and get a ball and I, watching basketball. No, I got to go play basketball. Right? That's what we have with our God. And we can, we can have that more if we press on toward him. Um, last part of verse 3. His going out is sure as the dawn. We need to know him. Why? Because he's the only consistent. Um, he's a, we're going back to math here, he's a fixed variable. I don't know what that means. That's okay. We, we'll have a counselor for you at the end. Um, we'll, we'll set you up with a math teacher. He will come to us as the showers. What do showers cover? Like, if, if you're in an area and here come the showers, what, what gets hit? Everything. everything. It covers everything, right? As the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? Verse 4. What shall I do with you, O Judah? What's that question? Is that satirical question? Is that a real question? Is it sarcastic? What's he saying? Ugh, what am I going to do with you? That sounds like somebody who doesn't want to do anything with him, right? That sounds more like I'm done with you. And I need to make sure that we understand how to read the Bible. Is God done with us? No. Never. Never, right? What shall I do with you? I need you to understand the tone of that question when you only see it written. And the tone of that question in your mind needs to be based on your definition of who God is. I like to read that as, Ephraim has a chance. Chance at what? Same thing Judah has a chance at. Back to the top, verse 1, return. What am I going to do with you? More tearing? More striking? Or are we going to do returning? Because I'd like to go back to the gathering up and the binding and the healing, right? Your love is like a morning cloud. What's the problem with the morning cloud? It's not an afternoon cloud. An afternoon cloud, that's a morning cloud, would just be called a cloud. But it's a morning cloud because once morning's gone, it burns off, right? Like the dew that goes early away. I have a problem now with the definition of love. Is that love? God knows that's not love. Why does he call it love? Because that's what Ephraim and Judah think love is. Well, I just need to show it for a little while. You know, when, it, when, it, when things hit the fan, when the going gets tough, well, then I can go and work on my own things. Ooh. You should help people when it's convenient. Why? Is that, what does that, what's that sound like? Sounds selfish? Sounds like lazy, right? And we got to be careful because it's a lazy you can embrace. I do my thing unless it's convenient to do something for someone else, right? I love what it says in the scripture, I will not give anything to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. Who said it? King David? Before he was king. How does a David become a King David when he starts to recognize, I need to do things that cost me something because otherwise I've offered nothing. 
I don't do it for a little while in the morning when I got energy and I had my cup of coffee and, oh, I'm ready to go. No, I'm the one that stays at the end and cleans up till any, everything's done and all the chairs are stacked and all the tables are put away and the trash is taken out and the lights are turned off and all the doors are locked and that's when I go home. Ooh. That wasn't a reference to Mexico auction dinner, was it? No, it's a reference to my house. <laughs> Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I've hewn them like I've uh, cut out the middle and made a bigger hole. And I've done it through the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And my judgment goes forth as the light. It's seen. It's prominent. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Um, this is wonderful. I want us to look at the difference. There's two phrases. They say a, kind of the same thing in a different way, but they're also a little bit different. Uh, steadfast love, not sacrifice. What's the value of steadfast love? Well, it's love and it's steadfast, right? It just always there, and the value is focused where? Someone else, right? Um, what's sacrifice focused on? Oh, we're doing an offering. We're taking something of value, just like Scott said earlier. I will offer nothing to the Lord that costs me nothing. But if you're having to do a sacrifice, what happened? Huh? Why would you have to take a sacrifice to the priest back in those days? Whoops, we made a mistake. Something went wrong, right? God says, hey, I want an ongoing, caring relationship where we value the other. And I want that more than your offering because you made a mistake. Now, do you need to do offerings? Yes. Why? Because we need to acknowledge our mistakes. But understand this. I like the one more than the other. Never give yourself license to go make as many mistakes as you want and you can just make as many sacrifices as you need to pay them off, right? Well, if God's forgiving, then I just can do whatever I want and then ask for forgiveness. No, because that's when he says, depart from me for I never knew you. I want an ongoing, steadfast, loving relationship, not your payments. Knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Ooh, I'm wondering if steadfast love of God leads to knowledge of God. Guess whether I think that's a true statement, right? Um, rather than burnt offerings. You know, you make a sacrifice, that's one thing. You have to do a burnt offering. Ooh, you must have done something bad. <laughs> it must have been pretty bad. Um, so what's, what's, what's God's priority? Is obedience God's priority? These are the rules. Here's 10 of them. Here's some more. Here's some ones you made up. Those rules are most important to him. Where do the rules lead, folks? It's at the top of your outline, and it's in that verse, knowing God. It, he gives us boundaries. He gives us those rails down the, um, the bowling alley to keep us in the game, right? But the rails aren't the valuable piece. Knocking the pins down, that's the fun part, right? And when you've got rails, you can throw it as hard as you want. And it's louder and everything crashes. It's way more fun, right? What happens when you got no rails and you throw it as hard as you want? The equal sign equals nothing, right? You get nothing out of that. And we say, oh, he gave me boundaries. He made rules. He took away blah, blah, blah. He tore me. He struck me down. Yeah, isn't it awesome? Because now you can throw as hard as you want. See what happens. 
Um, I want to point out to you 11 verses. Um, which verse would 6 be? It'd be the dead middle, right? We pointed this out last week many times in uh, Hebrew poetry. Not always. Depends on the writer. Depends how they were feeling that day or what God told them. Uh, but both last week and this week, I believe the key thing is the center phrase, verse. That's why you have it at the top of your outline, right? And we're going to come back to that uh, in our feelings. Verse 7, second half. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. Ooh, that sounds bad. There's that big word, transgressed, right? Which means what? Sinned, broke, ignored, stepped over, right? There's a boundary and you trans, transgressed, you trespassed, right? Forgive us our trespasses. Some, some uh, denominations use that in the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, so we've messed something up and what we messed up this thing, it's um, covenant. What is covenant? What is that? covenant. You know, this is what I love, and I do it at every wedding. No one knows this word anymore. We think contract, promise, deal. Let's make a deal. No, covenant's a much heavier word. Um, by the way, it's the word God uses for us. He didn't say, I make a promise. He said, no, I make a covenant with you. Um, let, me, uh, let me help you see the weight of covenant because we break covenant all the time. We transgress covenant all the time. In fact, there is no one who has ever kept the covenant. For all have sinned, right? That's one way to look at it. Um, when, we, when we can step over the covenant, we can um, also uh, break the deal, violate the contract, um, not live up to your promise, right? That's the human side. Let me ask you about this. How many times has God denied the covenant or broken covenant? That's the nil set, the empty set, right? God's definition of covenant as he understand it is drastically different than our understanding of covenant, right? Well, I'll give it my best shot. What's God's best shot? Perfect. Perfect. Right? Amazing. Win. It says, but like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. You guys keep walking away from me. That's why verse 1, he said, return. Stop it is what he's saying. And then there's this little weird reference to this guy. The man. Right? I, for a long time, the phrase in culture, well, who's the man? You're the man, right? And I love when people would say, who's the man? I'd say, Adam. <laughs> I'd say, the man, ha-adam, right? Uh, that's the actual Hebrew translation, the man. The man transgressed the covenant? Wait a minute, is this, where, where do we find Adam? The simple question. In the beginning, right? In the beginning, God and a whole bunch of creation. And then he says, hey, let's make man in our own image. Male and female, he created them. Put them in the garden. You get to chapter three. Here comes this snake. Calls him the serpent, not snake. Just me being cute. Uh, and the serpent starts having a conversation with Adam. Hey, Adam, how about you eat this fruit? Hey, Adam, why don't you take it? And you, God, you can be like God, and uh, you're going to know some stuff. And Adam's like, oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Hey, Eve, take a bite of that, and bam, let's go. Is that what happened? Folks, he's not even in the passage till the very end. See, it's Eve who has a conversation with the serpent, and they have a, it's a rough conversation with um faulty logic, uh, very great manipulation on both parts, the serpent and Eve. We'll have that conversation another time. And Adam's nowhere to be found until the very end. And she took and gave to her husband who was with her. Now, I told you we were going to do some... Uh, Bible surfing today. In that story of what 
Some Bibles will title at the beginning, The Fall, because we fell from grace. We sinned. We transgressed the covenant. I love what happens right here because we, we have really long arms and very pointy fingers, and we like to go like this. We go, it was Eve, right? Are we, we're pretty good at that, right? Sometimes we stand on chairs. It was her, right? And actually, Adam does that when God shows up after they eat the fruit, and he says, hey, what have you done? It was the woman that you gave me, right? What does Hosea say generations later through God's leading to the people? Adam was the one that God said, don't eat from that tree, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Was Eve there for that conversation? Say no. And Adam was there for that interaction with the serpent, I believe, and here's part of my proof. Because when we get to Jose, he says, Adam, you had it all and you dropped the ball. It was your turn and you passed it over to Eve. It wasn't supposed to be her job. It was your job. You were the one that was told. Man. And they broke into song. Could have been so beautiful. Could have been so right. No. Adam transgressed the covenant. He stepped over. How easy was it for him to do that? It was a lazy embraced. Yeah? How, what was he doing? She's having a conversation with the serpent. What's Adam doing? Here's, here's a hint. What am I doing right now? He did nothing. That's how easy it is to transgress the covenant. Do nothing. Say nothing. Don't turn it off. Don't speak up. Don't show up. Stay home. Don't invest. Don't work. Don't serve. Don't nothing. Is it possible to return when you're doing nothing? No. Okay. We ready to move on from my excitement? Okay. There they dealt faithlessly with me. Gilead is a city of evildoers. That's up in the north. Tracked with blood. As robbers lie and wait for a man, so the priests band together. They, they support each other, and they start listening to their own uh, press. They start um, getting the same talking points, and, and then they just repeat each other, and then they quote all each other, but there's no actual real source. Just like both political parties. Oh, wait, we don't do politics here. Amen? Um, but this is the same thing that they're, that they're saying. Is they just they give each other permission to give each other permission. And then they do whatever they want. They murder on the way to Shechem. They commit villainy. Wow, that's rough. And I want you to see that. We're going to come back to that when we get to the fillings. Right? Uh, verse 10, in the house of Israel, I have seen a horrible thing. What was the horrible thing? Guess. They transgressed the covenant. They went away. Right? The whole point of the ver first verse, return. Why? Because you're gone. Ephraim's whoredom is there. Israel is defiled, lost value. For you also, O Judah, a harvest is appointed when I restore the fortunes of my people. At the very end, it turns. Right, we're talking about Israel and Ephraim and the whole thing, and we've transgressed, we've stepped over the covenant, um, you need to return, there's bloodshed, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, I'm going to restore the fortunes of my people. Does that sound like I will bind them up? Eventually, that's where we're headed. Who's he bringing back to get? Who's, who's going to be fortunate? His, look at the last two words. His people, right? My people, he has, we'll, we'll translate it from uh, third person, or second, first person to third person, because we're talking about it. His people are the ones. Um, who are his people according to this passage? 
Go back to the verse, first verse. Is, there, is that possible, uh, Denise? Can you kick us back up to verse 1 to start? Come, let us return to the Lord. Who are his people? We are. We are. Um, is, is the last phrase of the poem tied to the first phrase of the poem? Uh, Hebrews love to do that. They, they um, seldom go in chronological order or in priority order or list order. They, they do things very different than us, and they're right. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen? Man, there's so much here. I feel like we could almost do two weeks on it. Let's just do one, and let's get through this the best we can. Um, first thing I want us to see in the difference between you know a prophet... He says, I did this to them by the prophets. There was a phrase in there that said that. And for many of us, we think the value of the prophet is that the prophet tells us the future. The purpose of a prophet was never to tell us the future. In fact, prophets were very little detail on future. They'll say things like, in that day, the Lord will return, or in that day, the Lord will smite thee, right? Well, how's he going to do that? When's that day? Who's he going to smite? Very little detail, right? The, the true purpose of a prophet was to tell you about God and where the people stood with him. You in good shape or you in trouble? Right, and so that's the where we're going with this whole idea of knowing God or the future, um, and the popular, the popular things, right, and the perceived probable. What's perceived probable? I know you know what popular is. What's the perceived probable? Like if you if you could put that little phrase, the perceived probable, and put it into just like one word that starts with F. Rhymes with sure, future, right? Well, why'd you say perceived probable? Because I wanted to use all Ps. The popular and the perceived probable perpetuate. You know it's a P. Come on. Come on, people. Let's have a little fun. Church ain't fun. I ain't coming. Foul. Yellow card. Ball's right here. What did I just commit? Penalty. Right? It perpetuates penalties. When you just go with the popular, everybody's doing it. Well, you know the best common practices. The top five for, five, Fortune 500 com companies do it this way. You know, their family does it that way. Most of the people in town are going to that's popular, right? When you chase that, you're getting in trouble. Because what is no longer the source? God. Popular has become source. Do you mean, Scott, that popular could be an idol? <gasps> Breakthrough. The perceived probable, the future, when the future and what you think, perceive, is probably going to happen who just became God. You did. And when, you, when you pursue perceived probable, you're probably going to get penalized. You should presume it <laughs> perpetually. <laughs> um, you, you just get in trouble. You just get in trouble. Joshua 24, come from the reference in verse 9, it says, the priests band together. They murder on the way to Shechem. Shechem? Isn't that what you do to like um, oysters or something? You Shechem? <laughs> right? No, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote something here and you're going to finish it, Okay? Choose this day whom you will serve. Yes, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord. Yes, what a famous, famous verse. Oh, glorious Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. 
It's a great verse. Uh, misquoted every single time because they only use that phrase. Choose this day whom you will serve. And then they skip a little bit to the, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a nice big long clause in between those two. And actually before those two, there's a big long clause. And how about this one? What verse did I say it was in chapter 24 of Joshua? 15. I didn't give it to you because I wanted to test if you could remember, right? See who's listening, right? If it's proved that you're not listening, then you get kicked out. It stinks, but um, uh, before the 15th verse, what is there? 14 other verses, right? And it's this great thing. We see it on devotionals. We see it on websites and churches and paraphernalia, but choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, like some people, they have nice plaques in their house and you walk in, sit down at the kitchen table, hanging on the wall. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Great. Um, Where's that come from? Where's that come from? Chapter 24, verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And it's at Shechem that he said, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you remember who your God is? Because your fathers used to worship whoever they were in town with. And God has done this for them. And in this place, he did that for them. And he took them out of Egypt. And he also took you to the wilderness. And he gave you so many different opportunities. But every time you arrived at a place, you worshiped what was there. And it wasn't until we got to Shechem, where Joshua said, that's it, line in the sand. Those who aren't listening are kicked out. See, it's not a Rock Bible Church policy. It's a God policy, and I absolutely love it. And the people respond. Anybody remember what the people say that day at Shechem? Said, far be it from us that we should serve other gods. And Joshua says, you don't know how. And they have this little interaction. It's rough. Joshua says, ah, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to return. You're going to have to put on some boots and some gloves and get busy. He did that at Shechem. It's a great way to redeem that place. Shechem's actually an amazing place where many things happened. Because we've been talking about the southern kingdom and how great the southern kingdom is, right? Judah. Judah. How did Judah become so important? Hmm. We've been to Genesis 3. Now we've been to Joshua 24. How about we go late Genesis? Where do we meet Judah? Judah is one of the boys. The first set of 12 boys. Not the disciples in the New Testament. The 12 tribes of Israel, who used to be named Jacob. And you're right, the 12 sons of Jacob. Well, how did Judah get to be so important? In fact, if I remember, Reuben was the firstborn, and then there was Simeon, and then there was Levi. Judah was number four. Yeah. How's number four become the prominent? And actually, we see this in Scripture a bunch of times. Uh, Jacob was prominent, but was he number one? No, he stole the birthright and the blessing. He was number two. Grabbed his brother's heel on the way out. He didn't want to be second. And so he became first. He figured out a way. How Judah skipped three brothers in the blessing of Israel or Jacob at the end of his life, when they finally find Joseph in Egypt and they bring everybody back together, and on his deathbed, he goes down and he... He prophesies what God knows and what they should know about each of the sons. Not the future. It looks like the future, but it's really knowledge of God. And in that deathbed blessing of all 12 sons, 
He says, Reuben, you know what? You were number one, but you dropped the ball. You let your brother get sold off into slavery. You could have done something about it, and you sat there like Adam. Good luck. You'll be okay. But you're not number one anymore. Simeon and Levi, you shed blood. You killed. You did it on your own. And yeah, they took your sister, and yeah, they raped her, and yeah, they didn't ask permission, but you decided that you two were going to go into town, and you were going to trick all the men of that town, and you're going to tell them, look, we'll forgive you if you all get circumcised like we do as, as Israelites. They weren't Jews then. All the men of the town say, all right, on this day, we're all going to get circumcised. So they all go through this ceremony. They circumcise every guy in the town. Why? Because one of the guys there, I think it was the prince of the king in the town, uh, raped the sister of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, all of them, all the way down to Joseph. And then later that night, Simeon and Levi said, oh, they're all recovering from surgery. Let's go through town and kill them all. They decided to take the position of judge. And so we get to Jacob's deathbed. It says, Reuben, you should have took care of your brother. You didn't. Simeon, Levi, you shed blood. Where? In Shechem. You transgressed the covenant in Shechem. Generations later, Joshua brings all the people back to that place, Shechem, and says, you want to try and be in charge like Simeon and Levi, which Levi becomes the priests, right? You want to think that you can do sacrifice? You can uh, set penalties, the whole thing? Or do you want to do the Joshua thing, which was also at Shechem? Choose what you're going to do. It's a far it from us that we would serve the gods of our fathers. And Joshua says, yeah, but you don't know how to serve them. What's that take? It takes effort, Right? We skip the popular, we skip the perceived probable, and we stick to knowing God is the most important thing. I love what Ashley prayed this morning. I, in fact, it hit me so much that I was standing in the back, I wrote it down in my notes. God knows, God, you know where our hearts are at and where you want to take them to. Man, we're all in Shechem. Depends on where we're going from there right? This is a wonderful, wonderful way of, uh, in Hosea, in this poem, how God has tied a bunch of things and stories from the past into one place again, and gives us a reminder. Just lovely. All right, let's, let's close it out. Uh, keeping covenant creates a forgiveness vacuum, leading to intimacy. If you keep covenant, you know, God always keeps the covenant. If you keep covenant, what you look at, what you say, where you go, what you spend your money on, if you pursue God, talk to him, serve him, learn about him, hang out with people that do, draw in people that don't, there's no need for sacrifice. Why? Because you're doing steadfast love. If you're doing steadfast love, do you need an offering? Watch this. Offering and sacrifice become your stead, or they are, um, become steadfast love when you're steadfast loving God. That love and pursuit of Him, that is your offering, that is your sacrifice. And so you're not doing burnt offerings or, well, if I just give more money at church, I'll feel better. No. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Don't ever give more money to the church so that you feel better. Why? Because it won't work. And we don't want your blood money. Right? If you give something to God, if you chase Him, if you help somebody, do it. Why? Title of the sermon, first half. So you can know them better. All right? So what's it lead to? Intimacy with him. We keep covenant. Why? I've, I got a 98% on following the rules. 
Look at me. No, that's not a value. What's a value? I think I'm starting to understand God and this whole Sabbath concept. I think I'm starting to understand God and this whole patience idea. I think I'm starting to understand God and why forgiveness is of value. I'm thinking to un- starting to understand God and why he would sacrifice his own son to teach me a lesson. Whoa. How do those things happen? On your own. Not from me on Sunday. Not at men's Bible study, 7 o'clock at Porky Pizza Palace. That could help. But we're just handing you tools, right? Do tools do anything themselves? No. no. Right? It's like that old, those old uh, Michael Jordan commercials with the shoes. Right? Money, it's got to be the shoes. <laughs> Talking about how great Michael Jordan's shoes are. Michael Jordan's shoes have never done anything. It's who was wearing them, right? At some point, we got to do it, all right? Uh, last one. Prophets prioritize knowing God over future, period. That's the difference of a prophet. I kind of said it earlier. What's the point of that? Prophets were heroes, right? I think they all had capes. They called them tunics or whatever, robes. I'm pretty sure they were capes, right? Because all heroes wear a cape. Were they great? Okay, they were great. Let's, I'm going to have to convince you of that. We might have to do another sermon on that one. Yes, prophets were great. Amen? Okay. If they're great, and they prioritized knowing God over future, then you want to be great too. Where am I going with this? Because I lost, I forgot where I was going with this. Where was I going with this? Be a prophet. Know God more important than anything else. Yeah, but is he gonna? Who knows? He may. Dang, she's back. May. Right? If he does, he'll be with you. You'll be with him. You'll experience intimacy. And then hold on, put on your seatbelt, he will take you for a ride. And it'll hurt a little. And it'll be awesome. And at the end, you'll say, oh, can we run around and jump back in line and do it again? Right? Uh, what have you been prioritizing? What have you been chasing? What do you need to know about God in what you're chasing? God, tell me what I need to know about you in this. When you start talking to him, have you returned? Right? You ask him to be known. It's one of the easiest requests and the most dangerous and the most glorious. I mean, who knows? Very different types of things happened in Shechem. Amen? Very different types of things may happen with you. Make sure you're one of his people. Uh, If you've never said, I want to be yours to God, 
and meant it. That's your prayer. That's your next prayer. If you've never said that prayer, that's your next prayer. Yeah? Um, if you've said that prayer before, then you get to move on to prayer 2.0. What do I need to know about you in this? Help me avoid that. You, you can have a whole lot more fun in prayer 2.0. And then when you're ready, we'll, we'll progress you to prayer 3.0 um, with Judy Deeds. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, thanks for this story. Thanks you for the references and the meaning. And mostly, thank you for what it tells us about you. What type of God you are, uh, regardless of what we do or what we think. Um, how culture is. Thank you that you have no limits. And, and maybe, Lord, this morning, because uh, I don't think it's been said out loud, thank you that we can know you. And we can know your son. And you made sure of it. Help us to be as sure as, as well. We ask that you bless this offering, Lord. And pray this in your son Jesus' name. Uh, he's good. He never breaks covenant. That means he never lets you down. May he always outrank your future. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go with him.